Welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Church podcast. We pray that this message will help you in your walk with Christ. The title of Dr. Splon's sermon today is The Fulfillment of Faith. The big idea is that after a long season of waiting, the Lord makes good on his promise to provide a son for Abraham and Sarah. Paul shows that faith, not ethnicity, is what ultimately makes someone a child of God. I invite you to take your Bibles and open two places, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 21, and also Romans chapter 9. If you're looking for Genesis in your pew Bible, it's on page 14, Genesis 21, and then Romans chapter 9 is on page 801. Genesis 21. Thank you, Joel. Genesis 21. That passage, we read this. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he, had, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? And then Romans chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Paul writes these words. It is not as though God's word had failed, For not all who are descended from Israel are Israel, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, it is not the natural children who are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, I don't know if all of you are aware of it today, but the Masters will begin this week. And I was talking with someone before the first service and asking, where do you think more time would be lost at work for March Madness or for the Masters this week? Because I have to admit to you, though I am not a big golfer, primarily because I'm terrible at golf, I would love to enjoy golf. I'm just not very good at it. But the Masters is one of those tournaments that gets my attention. And usually I'll turn in and watch just because there's this there's this mystique in this aura surrounding Augusta National. I've been to Augusta before. I've driven on the road that's in front of the golf course. But there's this, you know, this huge wall that keeps common people like me out of a place like that. I try to look for little cracks in the in the defenses to see back there. But that's one of the things that's wonderful about the Masters is that this, this one week in the year, I get to pretend like I can be on the grounds there and see what's happening on those hallowed grounds. And so it's really amazing to me. And just today, and I'm not giving you any excuses to skip church, okay, unless you get to play at Augusta National. If for some reason you get to play at Augusta National, please don't come to church instead of doing that. Go ahead and go. In fact, take spiritual counsel with you. I'm sure I could get a day off. But just this morning, 
um, imitate rice from our church got to play at Augusta National in the drive, chip, and putt finals. Can you imagine that? That she um, got to go in there and not just kind of walk around, but like she actually got to play and like do things out there on the golf course. And it's been interesting to follow her journey because I think Chris and Alice and her parents just assumed at some point they would run into some qualifier that they wouldn't get past. And so we would talk to them, and they're like, yeah, we're going to this, but I'm sure, you know. And they're like, she won it. Oh, sweet. Where are you going next? Well, we're going here. But I'm sure it'll probably, how'd it go? She won it. And then finally, she won it, and it was like, she's going to Augusta National. And one of the things that I wish, she finished, uh, she tied for third, by the way. So when you see her, you know, make sure you give her a nice golf clap or something. That's pretty amazing. But um, I wish that I could have been with her when she first went through the gates and, like, it was hitting her that, like, I'm going to be able to play golf here. Can you imagine that her face was probably just, like, like overwhelmed at the fact that this was actually going to happen? But I wonder if she played there every week. Let's imagine the MK. Um, was awarded a, um, a membership, and she could play there every week. Don't you think that after a while, the, the majesty of it maybe would wear off on her? She played every week there. That, that what once was amazing and awe-inspiring, the more you get used to it, the less exciting it is. I told the first service, thinking about John and Victor being here, I experienced something like that in Cape Town, South Africa. Cape Town, South Africa is one of the most beautiful places you could ever go. If you ever have an opportunity to go there, just sign up and go because the beauty, the natural beauty really is breathtaking. And when you're first taking it all in, you're like, wow, this is incredible. There can't be anything else more beautiful than this. And then you go further down the road, you're like, well, I was wrong. There's something more beautiful than what I just saw and it really is over and over again, just this, you stand in awe of God's creation in that place. But I lived there for 18 months, and so I would um, a couple of times have visitors to come. And what I learned was that I got used to it. That it wasn't as awe-inspiring to me as it was when I first saw it. And the more that you're around it and the more that you see it, you just kind of get used to it, and then you start worrying about traffic, and you get frustrated about normal things that you get frustrated about here, and you miss out on the grandeur of what is around you. I think a similar thing can happen for us as we think about our understanding of who God is and the salvation that he has offered us through faith in Jesus Christ. That what once maybe awaken this wonder and joy and excitement in us, the more that we're around it, the more commonplace it can seem. And there's this danger that you and I have of not being amazed at God's mercy in our lives anymore. And as I've been studying this episode in Abraham and Sarah's life at the birth of Isaac and looking at Romans chapter 9, as Paul looks back to that and talks about our experience in those terms, it's reminded me anew that, that you and I ought to just be in awe of the mercy that God has extended to us and really mean it when we sing that song, Who Am I?, that God would extend that kind of mercy to me. When you get to Genesis chapter 21, finally 
The baby is here. Now, as, uh, as I say that, I can only imagine what Sarah and Abraham felt like. Now, they've been waiting years and years, and finally, now that he is 100 years old, we, there was nobody 99 last, year, last week, so I'm assuming there's nobody 100 this week. But imagine if you were 100 years old, you've been waiting year after year after year, and finally, what God had promised comes to pass in your life. And so Abraham and Sarah have a son named Isaac, and we talked about last week that that means he laughs. And you can just hear Sarah's amazement at what has happened after she has this child. Listen to what she says in verse uh, 6. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. I think the point, the reason why God waited so long was to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that Abraham and Sarah brought nothing to this child that was born. That they were as good as dead, so to speak. And God, in his power and in his mercy, he did something for them that they couldn't do for themselves. And Sarah can only say, who, who could have dreamed this up? And just as you would be um, in a similar fashion if you were 100 and had a child, the same thing was true of Sarah. That God did this miracle in their lives they could not do in their own power. And when you get to Romans chapter 9, Paul picks up on this episode in the life of Abraham and Sarah to explain or help us understand better our salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul starts out early on in Romans chapter 9 by talking about all the privileges that the people of God experienced in the Old Testament. And listen to what he says in Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and sisters, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. So Paul is saying, if you look back at the way God had worked in the lives of his people in the Old Testament, he had showered them with all these blessings as he revealed who he was and what he was doing on their behalf. And they had every opportunity to respond in faith to who God was and what he had done for them. But for some reason that Paul can't fully understand, and it causes him anguish and sorrow, he wrestles with why they didn't respond by and large in belief. And as I think about the book of Romans, I understand that I'm a Gentile. But the group of people that I identify with more in the book of Romans really are the Jewish people that Paul's wrestling with here in chapter 9. And the reason I say that is that I have been around church a long time. Time. I'm pretty sure there was a couple that joined the church this morning. She's expecting on um, Tuesday of this week. Pretty sure I went to church just like that baby was going to church. Before I ever came into the world, I was already at church, and I was surrounded by the things of God. 
I went to vacation Bible school. I did everything, RAs. I was involved in everything for as long as I could be involved with things of, of faith. And if I'm not careful, I can look back on those blessings and I can come to the conclusion that, well, it makes sense that I would become a Christian. It obviously makes sense because of the way I was raised and my genealogy that I just came to it and it just makes sense that I would live into this. And if you think about faith in those terms, then it really is easy to lose sight of the mercy and the depths of God's grace in your life. Because then the reasoning kind of goes like this. How many of you know people who did grow up all saturated with the things of faith, just like me, and they're not in a church this morning and they didn't respond in faith? Do you know those people? I do. And if I'm not careful, I can then look at them and think, well, there's just something better about me than them. Maybe I'm just smarter. Maybe I just have a better kind of constitution about me. I just, I'm drawn to the things of God. And if you're not careful and you understand faith in those terms, then there can be this kind of air of superiority that rises up in you and you think, well, yeah, it makes sense that I'm a Christian. And Paul is saying in this passage that though we can grow up around the things of faith and we can acknowledge the blessings that those things are, I'll forever be grateful that I grew up surrounded by the things of faith. But ultimately, this mystery of salvation that God gives me the faith to respond in a way that I'm drawn to him is, is something beyond who I am or how I was raised. That God does something in me that I can't do for myself. And Paul looks back to the story of, of Isaac's birth to make this point. Listen again to what he says in verse 6. But it's not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall, shall your offspring be named. So he's looking back, and you remember the story of Ishmael and how Sarah had said, hey, Abraham, things aren't looking like they're working out. Let's go ahead and take matters into our own hands. And they had Ishmael, Abraham had Ishmael with Hagar. And he says, Lord, just bless this child we've already have. And the Lord says, yes, I'm going to bless him, but he's not going to be the one through whom my promise will come. The one through whom my promise will come will be Isaac, nothing short of this miracle. That I'm going to do something in Sarah's womb that apart from me could not happen. And Paul looks back and he says, this is the same way that you and I experience salvation. That Sarah's barren womb, in a way, is a way for us to understand the deadness in our hearts. And God does something in and for us that I don't begin to fully um, even think that I could explain to you the whys of the mysteries of God. But I do know as I look back over my own life that I know that it's not my righteousness that has saved me. I know it's not because I'm better than other people. I know it's not because I'm smarter than them that I figured it out. But for some reason, God in his mercy and his grace has seen fit to redeem me and give me faith in Christ. I was thinking about it this week. I was walking out of my office, and as I was thinking about these things, it really hit me of like, 
I'm a pastor. How bizarre, right? Like if you went back to my hometown and you're like, hey, Wayne became a pastor. They're probably like, who? Wayne? I never saw that coming. But God graciously did this work in my life and I don't ever want to lose sight of that wonder. That God was gracious and merciful to me in a way that I couldn't do anything for myself. And so Paul continues to to track through this in Romans chapter 9. He talks about Jacob, and he talks about Esau, he talks about Pharaoh. And then he says this in verse 16. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So the reason that you're in this room today, the reason you're not at the golf course every Sunday, reason you're not just kind of out somewhere doing whatever, that you're drawn to Christ and you're drawn to his people, is that God has been gracious and merciful in your life to give you faith and belief that you want to be a part of what he's doing in your life. And the reason that it matters that we grasp this is that if you think that you are a Christian because you're better than other people or you're smarter or those people that came up with you in church that didn't get it and you get it, that there'll be this thing in you where it's really hard for you to be merciful and gracious to other people. There'll be this part of you where you just can't understand why people can't get it together. Why can't they see this? Why can't they understand it? And there is this thing where you just step back and you understand that God has shown you incredible mercy. And rather than feeling superior to other people, rather than feeling better than them, rather than looking down the end of your nose and say, wow, I'm in church, I must be a better person. You step back and you're in awe of God's mercy in your life. And then you extend that same mercy to other people. It's this principle in scripture that those who have been shown great mercy are willing and quick to show mercy to others. Those of us who've been loved much, It's so much easier for us to love others in that same extravagant way that God has loved us. So I just remind you this morning, as you think about your faith, that that there'd be a part of you this week that you would just, you would just at some point in the week just kind of look up and think, what in the world? How in the world has God done this? How has he been so merciful and gracious even to me? And then allow him to transform your heart to extend that same mercy and that same grace to other people. And I think as you and I better understand that it's not about how good we are or what we've done or haven't done, but it's all God's mercy at work in our lives, then we'll increasingly be the kind of church that people are drawn to. And they'll say, I don't know what it is about those crazy people at Mount Verde Baptist, but they seem to be really in awe of God's grace and mercy and are quick to extend that to other people. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we are so grateful that you allow us to know you, that you've revealed yourself to us in creation, and whether it be beautiful places here in Birmingham or Alabama or in South Africa or anywhere else in the world, that you make yourself known, and you make yourself known to us most fully through your word and through the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, give each of us here a renewed sense of wonder and amazement at who you are. 
that we would stand in awe of the work of salvation that you've done in and through us, that we would know it's not based on our ethnicity or our heritage or our upbringing. It's not because we're better than others at keeping your law, but we pursued you through faith in Christ, and you've helped us to understand and see the beauty and the matchless worth of Christ. And rather than stumbling over him, we see him as the cornerstone of our salvation. I pray that you would amaze us by your mercy, that it would be miraculous, that it would not be mundane, and that we would be people who love much because we understand the grace that you've extended to us. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We pray that today's message brought you hope as we continue to love God and live with grace and generosity. Be sure to check back here for more podcasts. And as always, go out and do the Lord's good work. Thank you.